welcome to the Cornerstone Young Adults podcast channel. Our desire is to boldly declare God's word and to encourage today's leaders to authentically live for Jesus Christ. To stay connected with us, feel free to like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram at cstone underscore YA. Please enjoy today's message. Uh, we are very excited because we are diving into a sermon series or we're actually on a sermon series titled Insufficient Funds, Where Did All My Money Go? And if you are, are a college student, if you are trying to get an apartment, if you are trying to go through whatever stage in life, we know that this is a question that at one point or another we've asked ourselves, man, where did all my money go? May, maybe you've asked yourself uh, this question whenever you've, you've exited uh, C3 service or whenever C3 service has finally ended and everybody's talking about, hey, like, let's go out to eat. And you're thinking to yourself, like, man, where can we go? And so you're saying Wingstop, you're saying Whataburger, you're saying Las Palapas, you're saying all these great things. You're like, yeah, 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 all that sounds good. But you know what? Let me check my bank account first. You pull it up, and it's not even numbers. It just tells you, like, you can't go out. And so you're just looking at it like, hey, and so you start making up a lie. Like, you know what? I feel like if the Lord is still speaking to me, I feel like if he wants me to fast tonight and he wants me to go home and he wants me to just pray, you know what, I, I got to go get a little bit more of Jesus. Or maybe you've asked yourself the question of where did all my money go or uh, you have the feeling of insufficient funds with, with the things that have been going on in society right now with the coronavirus. You're thinking to yourself, you know what, the mall is finally empty. <laughs> You're thinking to yourself, finally, I can go shop in peace. And so you go to North Star Mall, you go to all these different malls, and you're doing all the shopping, but deep down inside, you know that you're scared to look at your bank account. Deep down inside, you know that, like, you know what, I'm not even going to check it. You go to the cash register, and you're telling yourself, you know what, I'm going to swipe by faith, not by sight. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something special. Or, or this is one that I highly relate to because it's happened several times in the past. Um, you find yourself on payday, and you actually find yourself like this adorable little raccoon. Uh, we have a little video, and, and the raccoon is me. The, the little sugar cube is my paycheck, and it's gone. It's gone. As soon as I got it, it's gone. It's gone. And I'm, I'm left wondering, like, man, where did all my money go? And you know what? I, I say to myself, all right, all right, I'm going to wait out two more weeks. It'll come back. Uh, I, it, this was just the, pay, the payday to my bills. And so I get the next one. I take a little bite. All right, I got it. Oh, no, it's gone. It's gone. Where did all my money go? Maybe you feel that. Maybe you haven't. It's too adorable. Let's take it off. Uh, but I, I, I have found myself in different times just asking myself, man, where did all my money go? Where did I spend it? Like, I, I, I'm sure I only went to Wingstop once. I, 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 I was sure that I had $200. How do I go from $200 down to $4? Like, oh, my gosh, how does this happen? Uh, this month, we're talking about insufficient funds and asking ourselves the question of where did all my money go? Last week, Pastor started off this sermon series by reminding us the importance of honoring God with our money the importance of tithing, the importance of, of offerings. And he brought us to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26, when it says, For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You see, this includes our finances. And to add on to the importance of giving our tithe and offerings, Pastor challenged us with the truth that we want God to be all-sufficient while we remain insufficient in our giving. You see, we are talking about insufficient funds because this is a topic a lot of people try to avoid. In fact, they, they, they hear this kind of topic in church, like, oh, the church just wants more money. Oh, the pastor just wants a new car. And that is not the objective here. That is definitely not what we are doing at C3. The reason that we are talking about this is because we know that we need to learn how to honor God through our money in this sense. Uh, we need to learn how to honor God even with our finances. For a long time, I didn't know how to honor God with my finances because I was never taught to do so. There was a heavy emphasis on giving. Uh, I, I remember my parents, every single time they would give me my allowance, they would actually take out the money already and they would tell me, like, all right, eso es lo que hace Dios mal. Like, this is what you're going to give every single time. But there was never really any more teaching beyond that. 
I knew to give my 10%. I, I knew to give my tithes. But it took me a while to be able to understand that honoring God involved much more than just giving the tithes and the offering. And I'm not claiming to be a financial expert. In fact, I'm not claiming to have it all together. I'm not claiming to have the best finances. But there have been three areas in my life that I know that if I am not careful, they will lead me to having a financial crisis. And so for the next couple of minutes, I want to speak to you over the topic of how to avoid a financial crisis. Three areas that if we learn how to manage, if we learn how to steward well, uh, we'll stop asking ourselves the questions, where did all my money go? And as much as we believe that God will provide, as much as we believe that God can give us the finances, we need to do our part in being good stewards as well. Three areas that if we learn to steward well, then we will stop asking ourselves the question, where did all my money go? And so if we're going to avoid uh, a financial crisis, then we must learn to first steward our money in a practical sense. If you have your Bibles, please go with me to Genesis chapter 41. We're going to be reading from verse 46 through 49. 49. Genesis 41, 40, uh, 46 through 49. Uh, a little background to this story. This is when Joseph, uh, after being years in prison, he gets placed over all of Egypt. In fact, he's like right below Pharaoh himself. And he's placed to steward uh, a season where they were going in abundance, a season where the crops were good, a season where the land was good, and there was an overabundance in the fields. But it was in preparation for a season of famine. In fact, it was going to be seven years of abundance and seven years of a famine. And this is when Joseph is placed to steward all of it. And this is where we find it. And it says, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentiful. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the city. In each city, he put the food ground in the field surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. You see, Joseph was placed to steward the season of abundance during Egypt in preparation for a famine. Like we already said, if we were to continue to read down through the story, we see that after seven years of abundance came seven years of famine. But because Joseph knew how to steward the abundance well, uh, the nation of Israel, they didn't suffer through that famine. They were prepared. They were ready. The reason that I bring this up is because God, the same way that Joseph was placed to steward at the time of abundance or to steward the crops, God has placed us as stewards with our finances. God has placed us as steward or, or to steward uh, our blessings. In biblical times, a steward was a respected person of high integrity who was entrusted with the master's possession. And because we know by 1 Corinthians that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, that means that since God created and still owns everything that we have, stewardship is recognizing that God is the owner and we are his managers. We are responsible for using God's possessions to please him and not ourselves. And this can be a difficult mentality to break because we get that paycheck and we're like, ooh, I'm going to get some nice shoes. Or if you're in a relationship, like, hey, baby, I want to take you out to somewhere good. You know what? You don't have to get the dollar menu. You get to pick from the full menu. But yeah, I'm going to treat you something special. You want a McFlurry? You want, you want a Jack in the Box? A, 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 a Jack with cheese? You can get it. I, I got you. I got you. But that's not necessarily what it means. If we follow Joseph's example, he sets uh, the bar of what it means to steward our blessings in a practical sense. You see, being a good steward doesn't necessarily mean finding a package of chicken thighs for $8.34 and putting it back because you see another one for $8.22. Being a good steward doesn't necessarily mean thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm going to skip out on breakfast, I'm going to skip out on lunch, just so that I can have a very nice fancy dinner uh, later tonight. 
this means nothing. This isn't the kind of attitude that we're supposed to have. If even while we do this, we find ourselves living paycheck to paycheck. If even while we try to have this mentality, we still ask ourselves the questions, where did all my money go? This isn't what being a good steward is. If we follow Joseph's example, we understand that we can honor God with his blessings by being wise with what, I, with what we do with our extra income. And that's a question that you really got to ask yourselves. Don't ask yourselves, where did all my money go? Ask yourselves, what am I spending my money on? Obviously, their question's very similar. But when we really narrow it down to where our spending went, uh, not just asking ourselves, like, oh, where did it go? But actually tracking down the issue, tracking down where we're spending our most time, then we can truly start addressing our in, it in a practical sense. The reality is that if our finances, aside from covering the necessities of life, aside from covering food, shelter, water, transportation, anything else, it becomes a, ne- it becomes a want instead of a need. And do you really need it or do you just want it? Do you really need the fanciest phone or do you just want to look nice? Do you really need the newest shoes or do you just want to get the attention from other people? Do you really need to have the nicest car or do you just want to get that girl? Like really, what is the motives behind your spending? Joseph stored up the extra food in preparation for the seasons that were to come. He, he didn't allow the Egyptians to be like, you know what, we're going to have a feast every single day because God is blessing us in this season. No, Joseph knew that there was going to be a time of famine. There was going to be a time where things weren't going to be so good. And they had to prepare. Some of us, some of us, and I, I, I'm trying to be careful with how I say this, but some of us, we go through financial struggles. We go through insufficient funds, not because God hasn't blessed us, but because we didn't know how to steward our money well during the time of abundance. Some of us, we're going through struggles right now because of things that God called us to steward well a couple years ago. Some of us are struggling with our financial aid. Some of us are struggling with our bills. Some of us are struggling with our rent, not because God is not providing, but because we don't know how to steward things well. We avoid financial crisis practically by saving the extra income that we receive. And instead of staying up to date with the newest gadgets, newest fashion trends, or newest cars, uh, we, we invest that into our future. I'm not saying that it's wrong to have nice things. But if you're so focused on having the fanciest items and you're okay with being hundreds of dollars in debt, then your heart is in the wrong place. You see, Proverbs 22.7 even tells us the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Now, I'm not expecting a lot of amens to this practical kind of teaching. I know that at the end of this service, we're not going to say, if you want to be delivered and you feel like if uh, the demon of insufficient funds wants to get out of you, like, no, it's not going to be that. These are practical things. But, in fact, I want to give you some practical ways of how we can steward our money. Three practical ways to steward our money. Number one is save money automatically. If you haven't done so already, open up a savings account. Amen. I'm going to let that sit in a couple. If you haven't done so already, open up a savings account. Do we not realize that Joseph opened up a savings account? He prepared for the future. And some of us are thinking, well, it's because I just don't know. I, I, I have a really hard time uh, moving my money from my checkings to my saving. Well, let me tell you that there is something phenomenal. The Lord has responded. The Lord has answered. There is something called automatic withdrawals that he does it for us. We don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about moving your saving or your checkings to your savings. The bank will do it for you. But it is important. It is important that we have a savings account. If we're talking about stewarding our money well, then we have to know how to do that. Another way that we can steward our money in a practical sense is to spend the extra or unexpected income wisely. 
What I mean by this is that we steward money practically when that tax refund hits, when that financial aid comes in, and instead of going on an all-paid trip to the Bahamas, we use it to pay off our student loan. Whenever that, that tax refund hits, and instead of buying a new phone, instead of buying a new car, instead of buying new shoes, we use it to pay off a credit card debt. Another way, and this one is probably the most spiritual one of all, and this one's the one that hurts me the most, another way that we can practically steward our money well is to pack your lunch and eat at home. Eat at home. This is a big one. Growing up, Growing up, I remember at the end of service, I would always tell my mom, Amá, llévame el McDonald's. Amá, llévame el Jacket te vas. Amá, llévame el Burger King. All these fast food chains. Mom, take me out. Mom, please uh, let, me, let us go eat. Let us have some family time. Mom, we haven't connected in a while. Let's go connect. You know, I'm trying to get all these things. And if you grew up in a Hispanic household like me, you know the response that came every single time. Hay comida en la casa. There's food at home. C3, this is probably a prophetic word for some of us. This is a word from the Lord that some of us need to hear. There is food at home. Save your money, pack your lunch, and eat at home. And again, this probably doesn't sound so spiritual, but Proverbs 13, 16 says, a wise man thinks ahead, a fool doesn't, and he even brags about it. We're just going to go ahead and move on before that gets too deep. But if we're talking about avoiding a financial crisis, we got to understand that we need to learn how to steward our money in a practical sense. And we also have to learn how to steward our money emotionally. Oh, yes. All right. Yes, we're going to get into that. Yes, emotionally. Some of us, we go into spending or we try to buy new things. Like, oh, my gosh, I, I just feel it in my heart that these are the shoes that the Lord wants me to have. I feel it in my heart that the Lord, you know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says? That I know the plans that I have for you, the plans to prosper you and not to harm you. The Lord wants me to have the new car. The Lord wants me to go to Chama every single week. The Lord wants me to go... We, this is such a wrong mentality. We allow our hearts, we allow our emotions to lead us into our spending habits. But Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? This is where most of our financial mistakes happen. Uh, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know that there have been so many purchases that I have made. And I just left the items. Like, I, I was like, yes, I'm going to use this all the time. I'm, I'm going to use that gym membership every single day. I'm just paying 20 bucks a month every single, week, every single month. And I'm like, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll go back soon. I'll, I'll go back later. Or, or it, it may not be a gym membership, but maybe you bought yourself some new shoes that aren't even comfortable. But they just looked really nice. They just went with that dress. You're getting ampollas, you're getting blisters all around, but you're like, you know what, I'm going to make these work. You see, it, it's interesting that if the heart overrules the head, the result is frequently disastrous. I find it a little funny, but Donald Trump once said back in 1988, he told the U.S. News and World Report, whoever says money can't buy happiness doesn't know where to shop. And some people believe this mentality and they fail to steward their money by chasing after false happiness. Can I remind you that the only way that we can find true joy, the only way that we can find true happiness is in God and God alone? We're never going to be able to find it in a new purse. We're never going to be able to find it in, in new clothing. We're never going to be able to find it in new gadgets. The only way that we can find true joy and true happiness is through God himself. It's scary to realize that compulsive spending can be a form of an addiction. And sometimes we just go to the mall and we're like, oh, well, it's because it's Tuesday night. Or, oh, it's, no, you guys are here on Tuesday nights. Oh, it's because it's Wednesday night. Oh, it's because it's the weekend. Oh, my gosh, I got an email from, from Express, and they're saying that it's like 15% off. It's 50% off. It's the year-end sale. You know, we, we're going by all these promotions. 
But addictions aren't just caused by sex, drugs, or alcohol. In fact, eating and making purchases releases a level of dopamine into your brain, which triggers the same feelings of pleasure or rewards as using drugs. You see, this is why God reminds us in Proverbs eleven twenty eight, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous shall flourish as the green leaf. You see, when we allow our emotions to make our purchases, we will find ourselves buying things we don't use, buying things we don't need, or worst of all, spending money to cope with an actual underlying issue or problem. We go on a shopping spree just because we went through our fight. We go on a shopping spree just because we failed an exam. and like, oh, I got to make myself feel good. We, we do these things and we allow our emotions. In fact, we're the most vulnerable to our emotions. Whenever we're the most hungry, whenever we're angry, whenever we're lonely, tired, bored, or stressed. It's in these moments that we have to be careful. Whenever we're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored, or stressed. Some people have decided to condense this into saying halt the BS. You don't have to say that, but if you need to remind yourself some way, just remember that being hungry, angry, lonely, tired, bored, or stressed can lead us into compulsive spending. It can lead us into addictions that we, we go into it just because we're hungry. Like we're walking around the store, and I know that I've been there. I'm hungry. I go to H-E-B. Worst mistake I can do. Not only do they have free samples, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, sushi totally does go with a, with a taco, you know. And I'm thinking all these random things, like, you know what, my, my, my chips, they need an ice cream. And my ice cream, they need cookies. And my cookies, they need bread. And my bread needs, and I'm going on this whole shopping spree, not because I need them, but because I'm hungry. Or sometimes we're angry, and we just want to be in control, and so we make a big purchase. Or sometimes we're lonely, and so we say, you know what, I'm just going to go to the store. I'm going to go to the mall just so that I can be around other people. Or we're tired, or we're bored, or we're stressed, and so we're scrolling through Amazon. We're scrolling through a uh, Walmart app. We're scrolling through all these different apps, just looking at the deals that they have. And like, you know what, I'm not going to buy anything, but I'm just going to look at what they have. Maybe they have a good special. Maybe they have a good deal. Oh, you know what, they have a student discount. That's great. And you, we, we go by our emotions Instead of actually thinking about it, we don't steward our money the way we're supposed to when we're using it to solve the problems God is supposed to attend to. And you see, the only way that we can resolve this is by finding what emotionally triggers your spending habits, pray about them, and allow God to deal, address the real issue. Don't let Express deal with it. Don't let Puma deal with it. Don't let, uh, I don't know, Las Palapas deal with it. All these different things. Don't let those be what resolves your issues. Come to the Lord, and that's how we can steward our money emotionally in a proper sense. In fact, let me give you some more tips. Three questions that you need to ask yourself before making any big purchase in order for us to steward our money emotionally well. Number one, would you buy this product tomorrow if you were to wait overnight and had time to think about it? You see, give yourself 20, a 24-hour period. Sometimes we got to give, your, uh, give yourself a little bit longer, but just give yourself time to think. Yes, they looked great. The, those shoes looked great the moment that you tried them on. But wait a little while. Yes, that shirt, that fitted shirt made you look like all those muscles that you lost in high school. But wait a little while. You know, give yourself some time. Give yourself some time to think. You have to give yourself a little bit longer, but take time to think about your purchase instead of allowing your emotions to guide you through the decision. The second question that you need to ask yourself is, is this item a need or a want? You see, we addressed this a little bit earlier, but it is not wrong to have nice things, but we must remember that there are certain items we can live without. Consider your motives in buying this item. Are you doing it because you absolutely need it? 
Uh, it's okay to spoil yourself sometime, but are you doing it because you want to impress somebody else? Are you doing it because you're masking an issue underneath? Are you doing it because you really have insecurities and that's why you're buying the fanciest clothes so that other people can say, oh my gosh, you look nice. Oh my gosh, that's, oh, you look so great. The Lord is definitely upon you. You see, we got to be careful with the motives behind our spending habits. Remember, stuff may buy short-term happiness, but true lasting joy only comes from God. The third question we got to ask yourself, uh, ourselves is, have you asked anybody their opinion? And now I'm, I'm not talking about just random people in this world like, hey, sir, I'm sorry, does this look good on me? Will it work? No, it, it's not necessarily that, but find somebody that you trust. Find a mentor. Find somebody that's going to be willing to tell you the harsh truth of uh, not just like, no, you definitely cannot pull that off, but you don't have the finances to be able to buy that right now. Seek wise counsel. Ask someone you trust and respect if they think that buying that item is a good idea right now. You see, we, we allow our emotions to lead us in so many different things. But we have to be able to trust God even in our finances, not just in the practical sense and preparing for the future, but emotionally as well. And if we're talking about avoiding emotional or if we're talking about avoiding a financial crisis, we have to understand that it's not just in the practical sense. It's not just in a, 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 an emotional sense, but it's also spiritually. And this was heavily addressed last week. So I just want to touch on that very quickly this week. But Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. You see, everything that we do, there is absolutely nothing that we can do, nowhere that we can go that God won't be there with us. There is absolutely nothing that we can do that can separate us from our connection with God. There is nothing that we can do that can separate us with our connection with the Holy Spirit. So if we know, if we understand that God is always with us, if we know and if we understand that God is always by our side, then we have to understand that even in our finances, he is connected to those as well. Remember, 1 Corinthians says, for everything in the earth belongs to the Lord. And or I'm sorry, I'm butchering that completely, but it says, uh, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So we, we remind ourselves that it's not just practically, it's not just emotionally, but it's also spiritually. We cannot forget that the reason we have the things we have, uh, the things that we are blessed with, is because the Lord has been good to us. God is the one who gives us the ability to work, the wisdom to invest, and the hope for a brighter future. That's why Moses is telling the nation of Israel, but remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. I find it interesting that Moses wasn't saying, it is God who has blessed you with the tent. It is God who has blessed you with this item. It is God who has given you the, uh, this particular object. And if we were to translate it to today, uh, Moses wouldn't necessarily be saying, it is God who gave you the house. It is God who gave you the car. It is God who gave you the job. And I'm careful with saying it. Some of you, I'm already getting like weird faces like, no, God did give it to me. And the reason that I say that is because Although it may not have been the literal object that God gave to us, it was God who gave us the ability to get to that spot. You see, Moses is saying, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Some people, they try to make it so me-focused. Some people try to focus so much on themselves. They try to say, well, it's because I worked hard. 
It's because I did the overtime. God, Jesus didn't come down and do overtime for me. No, I stayed there. I did the extra 12-hour shift. I did the extra time. Or it's because I studied every single night in order to get my degree so that I could have the job that I have now. It's because I invested in my future. It's because I did this. I did that. But we need to understand that it is God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. It is God who gives us the wisdom to be where we are at today. God is the one who gives us that ability. And if we steward our money spiritually, or we begin to steward our money spiritually when we honor God with our spending. Someone once said, how we handle money reveals much about the depth of our commitment to Christ. That's why Jesus often talked about money. One sixth of the Gospels, including one out of every three parables, touches on stewardship. Jesus wasn't a fundraiser. He dealt with money matters because money matters. For some of us, though, it matters too much. Sometimes we place so much focus on what the money can give us. We place so much focus on what the overtime check will be able to cover the next week. Sometimes we place so much focus on what our finances are allowing us to have that we forget that it is God who provided us the ability to produce wealth. Last week, we placed the focus and emphasis on giving back to God what was already his through our tithing and through our offering. And we began to grow in wealth and income, or when we begin to grow in wealth and income, we cannot forget the Lord our God. You see, and uh, I, I'm trying to find a way to be able to illustrate. In fact, I'm, I'm going to have some friends uh, just bring up some items. I, I need a quick volunteer from the audience. Just any one volunteer. Anyone, anyone. Yes, thank you, Manny. Manny, thank you so much. All right, so on this side we have a window, and on this side we're going to have a mirror. And Manny, I need you to stand on this side. Let's raise up the window a little bit more. And if you look through the window, what do you see? All right, what do you see? People. All right, yeah, a bunch of beautiful people, a bunch of lovely-looking people. They spent their time. They're blessed. They're highly favored, you know. You see all the beautiful people outside, and obviously it's pretty simple. Now you're looking through a window. But if I ask you to stand over here in front of the mirror and ask you, what do you see? <laughs> you see yourself, yes. Muy guapo, muy handsome, you know, very, very stylish. Now if we go come back to the window, what is that you see? Yeah, you can see through. And if you go back to the mirror, you check yourself out. All right. So uh, the reason that I bring this up is both the window and the mirror are made out of what? Glass. So what's the difference between the window and the mirror? Why is it that in one of them you can see past it, but in the other one you only see yourself? The only difference is that there is a thin layer of silver in the mirror. You see, I bring this up because the moment that we start placing our focus on silver, the moment that we start placing our focus on money, we are no longer able to see to where God wants us to see, and we start placing the focus on ourselves. Uh, let's give them a big round of applause. Thank you so much for being here. You see, this, the moment that silver is added to the glass, we are no longer able to see others, and we only see ourselves. The moment that silver is added to a glass, the focus shifts back to us. And sometimes, because we focus so much on the money, we focus so much on the silver, we are no longer able to see the people that God wants us to reach. We are no longer able to see the goodness that God has brought to us and not upon ourselves. The moment that silver gets into the picture, if we allow it, it clouds our judgment. It clouds our ability to invest in the practical sense. It clouds our ability to be able to think wisely instead of allowing our emotions to do the purchases. 
It clouds our ability to give praises to God for the things that he has blessed us with. You see, the moment silver is added, we begin to lose focus on the outside and we, lo- and we start focusing on us. And the only way we can avoid a financial crisis, the only way we can avoid insufficient funds is by returning our focus to God and asking for God to help us be good stewards of what he has entrusted to us. We can't place our focus, we can't place our objective, we can't place our minds, our mentality, our hearts on the silver in front of us. We have to place it on the one that gives us the ability to produce wealth. And again, I'm, this was a very practical sermon. I wasn't expecting a bunch of deliverance through this sermon. But if you are here and you are being honest with yourself and you're saying, man, I, I know that I've been focusing too much on the silver. If you are here and you are telling yourself, I, I know that I haven't been investing the way that I should be. If you are here and you are saying, I know that I make some emotional spending. I know that I have some emotional spending habits. I know that I have some compulsive habits. Or if you are here and you are telling yourself, I've forgotten the God who gives me the ability to produce wealth. Let me tell you that there is hope. Let me tell you that we still have a chance to place our focus back to God and not ourselves. I want to invite everyone to please stand. I may not know your situation. I I may not know what finances you may be needing. I don't know if you're struggling or if you're thinking to yourself how you're going to pay next month's rent. I don't know how, how you're how you're struggling with school. I don't know how you, what you may be thinking about the bills that are coming up or the things that you want to buy but you just can't afford. I don't know what you may be going through. I don't know your situation. But I know that if we begin to place our focus back to God, God will bless us. I know that if we begin to make some changes in our lives in a practical, emotional, and spiritual sense, we'll be better prepared for the future. I know that if we just allow God to take control of our hearts and our mentality towards finances, we're going to be able to reach a point where we're going to stop asking ourselves, where did all my money go? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you are here today and you are just being honest with yourself and saying, from this day forward, I want to place my focus back on God. I want to invite the Hope team to come up here and I'm going to invite the next gen staff. We want to pray with you. We want to pray and believe that God is a God in every area. That God is our God not just in the spiritual sense, not just in our emotions, but even in our finances. God is our God, not just in the future that he has for us, but even in the way that we set up our bank account. God is our God, not just when we come to service, but even when we're walking around the mall and we're trying to think of what to buy next. God is our God everywhere that we go. We pray that this message has blessed you. For more information about our ministry, visit sacornerstone.org forward slash college.